A wise man named Hannibal Lecter once said, Memory, Agent Starling, is what I have instead of a view. I think memories have sustained all of us these last couple of months as we've stayed mostly inside, dreaming of things we would like to do again. One of the memories that's made me the happiest and the most hopeful is thinking about the summer night in 2018 when my wife and I went to the Wellfleet Drive-In Theater in Massachusetts and sat in lawn chairs outside our car watching The Meg, a pretty much perfect drive-in movie. Last week's episode ended with me talking to Kyle McLaughlin about that memory, and this week, it's all about drive-ins. They're getting a big and very well-deserved resurgence because they may be the safest way to watch movies together this summer. I'm Tim Malloy, and in today's Movie Maker interviews, we're talking about the wonderful new documentary At the Drive-In, available now on Amazon Prime. It's about the Mahoning Drive-In Theater in Leighton, Pennsylvania, which, at the start of the story, is dying because its owner, Jeff Maddox, isn't getting enough customers to pay for a new $50,000 digital projector that the theater would need to show new films. What happens next is wonderful. A group of movie lovers sweep in and start showing classic movies, as well as a few not classic movies, while working at the theater for free. Spoiler alert, the Mahoning is still magoing strong. I'm so sorry. Our guests are at the drive-in director, Alexander Minnelli, and one of the stars of the doc, Mark Nelson, who still drives to the theater every summer weekend from New Hampshire. And one of my favorite parts of this very fun movie is when we go along with Mark for that very long drive. I hope you'll support at the drive-in by watching on an Amazon Prime, and I hope you'll support your local drive-in theater, if you're lucky enough to have a local drive-in theater. And now, here's Alexander Minnelli and Mark Nelson. I don't know where I first saw something about this documentary at the drive-in. It may have been Twitter, but my wife and I watched it on a Saturday night when quarantine was in full depressing mode. And just watching this movie made us feel so much better. Like the idea of watching a movie under a big Pennsylvania sky with amazing people who love movies and love nerding out about movies just really, really cheered us up. Um, Al, how did you first decide to make a movie about drive-ins and particularly this drive-in well I, i'm glad to hear that it cheered you up and it's funny i saw messages like that on twitter a lot yeah. um, especially lately um, now that movie theaters are closed and drive-ins seem to be super popular all of a sudden right now so right now i look like you know nostradamus making this <laughs> drive-in documentary um when i started making it no one cared about drive-ins except for small select few. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it started with, there was another drive-in in the town I grew up in that I wanted to kind of tell their story. They had a, an owner who never sold the land, um, seemed like a really interesting story, but they just weren't open enough, hmm. open enough, like with me and the camera, mm -hmm. they were, you know, they wanted to wear matching polos and they wanted it more as like a, you know, like a commercial for their business. And, um, you know, I wasn't really looking for that. And luck would have it that my high school classmate, James, uh, said, look, I go to this other drive-in called the Mahoning Drive-In and you got to check it out. So he actually introduced me to the Mahoning and he's in the film. He's the guy that, you know, is their set decorator, nice. um, kind of turns the concession stand, you know, into the, the Ninja Turtles lair or, you know, whatever the theme of that weekend would be. So he actually <laughs> introduced me to the Mahoning 
And I, I remember I just, I called Jeff and we talked and I just showed up one day and started filming. There was no like, you know, all right, we got to raise money and do this and that. It was just kind of, I just want to see what this is first and start filming. Yeah. And it just snowballed from there. And Jeff owns the theater, but doesn't own the land, which is a big point of contention in the movie. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Someday he would like to own the land. Yeah. So um, we, we shall see. So you talked about the theme nights and I mean, you'll have like a Ninja Turtles night. There's an amazing uh, horror movie theme night that I won't reveal toward the end of the movie. Um, but I mean, if you like 80s stuff, if you like cult stuff, you will love this theater. And Mark is one of the people who discovered it from all the way in New Hampshire, which to put it in perspective, Mahoning is like, what, an hour and a half out of Philadelphia? Yeah, at most. Yeah, it's definitely in like uh, eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. So to get to New Hampshire, and by the way, I'm in Massachusetts as we're recording this. So I'm also, I'm, I'm kind of in Mark's neck of the woods. Mark, you're six and a half hours away. Right. <laughs> and you know, um, I had been going to a retro drive-in show near Pittsburgh for many years. And that was all old horror movies, Dust Till Dawn, retro trailers and all that. And that got me used to driving 10 hours to go Oof. to an event. Um, so when the Mahoning came along, hey, that's only six and a half. That's, that's like four <laughs> hours closer. And after I initially went down because... I heard they were showing all retro, which is cool. And they ran the original Superman 78 and Batman 89 as a double, which I thought was great. Wow. And then the next weekend they ran a William Shatner double feature of kingdom of the spiders and the devil's reign. And that was great. <laughs> and I just got into this habit of going down every weekend. And I was the guy who always got there first. And sometimes in the early days, I was the only one who was sleeping over. And after a while, I just started saying to the guys, because I was there so early, is there anything I can help with? Yeah. And eventually they let me, and uh, now I work in the snack bar. Oh my god, it's so it's so cool, and it's such a great story of people coming together to just keep something that they love going. I mean, I don't get the impression that this drive-in makes a ton of money, but it's something that only needs to make enough money to keep keep people able to come in and keep loving it. It um, we've done better every season. It's nice to be able to say we, by the way, we've done better every season since the first retro year of I think it was 2014. Um, you know, it's expensive to run margins for any movie theater are pretty slim. And with a drive in, as you see in the in the film, you get some weekends where it rains and most people don't want to see movies in the rain. So you, you've already paid your staff. You've already paid for the films. And you just hope that whoever does show up buys a lot of cheeseburgers. <laughs> I always liken this documentary to a superhero origin story. That's kind <laughs> of how I reference it because they have grown. So when the movie ends, you know, they have a pretty packed lot. Yeah. Um, but oh, I guess I just gave away a spoiler. But <laughs> um, but they've grown beyond it. You know, uh, it, it, just looking at their Facebook followers looking at the you know amount of people that come they had their first sold out show i think last season where they literally couldn't allow any other people on the lot wow. so it's grown and grown so i always consider the documentary like you're seeing these moments where like there's no cars uh you know they're still sleeping in the concession stand it really is this sort of coming together of people and it really is kind of like you know the formation of the x-men or something so it's it, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely could easily be like a, a trilogy, I feel like. And right now they're kind of in that second act where 
you know, everything's going up and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next. So. Well, are you down there filming now? Because there is a great story that's continuing that's happening to this drive-in, I presume, and a lot of drive-ins. I haven't been, no, haven't been filming. They just started, I mean, Mark and the team just started getting stuff together um, for the 2020 season, which is, I think, opens June 5th. Mark, you can talk more about that, but um, no, haven't been, haven't been filming. Um, well, Mark, can you give us kind of a year-over-year comparison of last year versus this year with everything that's happened this year? Uh, certainly. So we haven't opened yet this year. We're still, as, as Al said, we're still working to get everything ready and, and solidifying our, you know, COVID procedural plans and all that. Um, last year, it was some weekends, you know, we did have sellouts. We were bursting at the seams. Uh, this has very much been a snowball sort of endeavor yeah. where people come, they tell their friends. Sometimes it takes a year or two for their friends to come out. They say, oh, my God, I can't believe I waited this long to come here. And then it grows. Thanks to the documentary, our story has gone international. And daily we're hearing from people saying they watched the documentary. They loved it. They can't wait to come out. So we were prepping for what was easily going to be our biggest season ever this year. Then COVID came to town. And uh, so now we're like most drive-ins, we're seeing more interest than ever from people from all over because it's in the news. I mean, on my Facebook feed, like every fourth article that I see is about, hey, remember Um, (laughs) drive-ins? Because they're theoretically the most socially distant way to watch a movie. And the theaters aren't even an option right now. So we're preparing for what will be a very busy season for us. But like most outdoor theaters, to allow for social distancing, we're having to cap our capacity at about 50%. Now, mm. our drive-in lot is gigantic and can hold somewhere between 900 and 1,000 cars. Mm. And right now, what we're doing is we're capping it at 400 tickets per night. So that will allow for spacing out if people are staying over, which we allow. Um, that'll allow people to set up tents or what have you at a good distance from everybody else. So it, we, we think we're going to have many sellout nights at this diminished capacity. Um, it, it'll be weird saying it's sold out and still see a lot of space there, but uh, we're preparing for quite a busy season. Every drive-in I've seen so far that has opened has had sellouts and lines of cars down the block. People are so hungry to be able to get out of their houses and to see movies and to sort of get into that communal experience, even if that communal experience has six feet of air between you and the person next to you. Yeah, the last drive-in I went to, uh, the Wellfleet in Massachusetts, which I'm really looking forward to getting back to as soon as possible, um, would let you obviously sit in your car or sit right outside your car. Are you? Are people still allowed to sit like in lawn chairs or something near their car? Absolutely. Um, yeah. We're doing what most drive-ins are doing. We're sort of the state of Pennsylvania opened last week, or our area opened, I think, this weekend. We're giving it another two weeks to let you know things settle and to let us sort of solidify our plans. But what everybody's doing, us included, is saying you can still sit outside in front of your vehicle, but if you're in any common area and near anywhere else, masks are required. And if people don't have masks, we will have masks. Masks. I think Mahoning branded masks as well. Oh my uh, god! Available for people. <laughs> I'm gonna for drive. Out, I'm gonna drive out there to get a Mahoning branded mask. That sounds incredible. It, yeah, you know, a fan of ours uh, put those together on. Uh, I think it was Redbubble or something like that. And uh, there was a lot of interest, so we're going to make sure we have a good stock of those for for souvenirs and for safety reasons. So, what about the snack bar? I mean, you're you know exactly what's going on with the preparations there. Will people be able to go in as normal, or is it six feet of distance, or how does it work? I mean. 
at least to start, people will not be able to enter the snack bar. And and for us, that's a shame because our snack bar is much more than just a chow line. Yeah. It's where James does his decoration. We have, you know, a wall of VHS tapes for sale and old records and posters. And it's people love the snack bar. And it's always traditionally been a gathering place. I mean, there are some intermissions where between the two movies, everybody comes into the snack bar and socializes. And now there's no way we can do that right now. So what we're doing is having one side of the snack bar, one set of doors be where you place your order and the other set of doors on the opposite side where you pick it up. So people stand in line at a distance, they order. By the time they're around the other side of the building, their food is handed to them and they go back to their area. Um, it stinks to lose that social aspect of the snack bar. But yeah. uh, as far as a lot of our decoration and set pieces and photo ops, I think as long as the weather's good, we can still do that outside. Um, the additional vendors we bring in sometimes we can always set up outside. So it'll just be a much more uh, open air experience than it was before. Yeah, I'm interested to see what James does with the exterior now that there's no interior. So, <laughs> you know, I made the joke about driving down from Massachusetts to um, to get a mask. You know, obviously people should not leave one quarantine area for a place with different right. standards. Um you know, we're counting on everybody listening to this to be really smart. But, you know, you can support your local driving theater. You can support the Mahoning Theater if it's if it's reasonable for you. Um, and you well, absolutely I think should. One thing, I think one thing the Mahoning has an interesting dilemma is, Mark, you guys get a lot of out-of-state visitors, especially at least out-of-county for sure. But it's not necessarily like the local drive-in. It's definitely an accumulation of people from all over. It really is all over this. It's all over the state. It's all over the region. It's all over the country. And we've had people from from Canada um, come as well. So wow. that that is always been sort of one of our strengths business wise is that we draw from a very, very wide area so we can show a weekend of Umberto Lenzi movies. And people <laughs> who love that are going to travel all over to see it. People in La Heighton may have never heard of the word Umberto before. Uh, we're sort of a <laughs> we always joke that. You know, the reaction of people in the town where we're in is, are they still open? I thought they were closed. <laughs> but as Philadelphia loves us, you know, New York <laughs> City loves us. So in this weird environment we're in right now where people really shouldn't be crossing state lines and, and possibly spreading what they might have, that's that's odd for us. You know, at the, at the beginning, we're encouraging everybody not to breach quarantine and, and to only travel from within, you know, local safe regions. But People are going to do what we're going to do, what they're going to do, and we're going to do our best to make sure everybody stays safe and sanitary when they're with us. Yeah. Man, it is – I. the more you talk about this, the more I want to go. So <laughs> as soon as I can, I'm going to. Can you – you've dropped a couple amazing lineups and a couple of amazing things that you've screened. Um, you're only scratching the surface, but can you, can you, between the two of you, name a few of the thematic nights you've had and a few of the movies that you've shown in the last few years? Well, they have the same opening every year. And I, I mean, The Wizard of Oz is one of my all-time favorite movies. So watching it on 35-millimeter film. Now, in the documentary, the aspect ratio is not correct, the print mm. that they got. But since then, they've gotten a proper um, print of Wizard of Oz in the, in the correct aspect. Now, only few people will even notice or care about that. But that's what the Mahoning does. Like, someone was like, hey, we have to get the right aspect ratio. Um, I know Jeff has gotten specific additions to his projector to be able to show certain scope films and whatnot. So 
they take that very seriously. But for me, I love every year kicking off with Wizard of Oz and, and Willy Wonka mm. and the Chocolate Factory. So and for me, that's always. For me, growing up, the Wizard of Oz was every year on CBS. Once a year, that would come on. And it was an event. It was sort of pre-home video or before it was too common. And that was a big deal. And I love the idea that our theater can now provide that for children who are growing up now, locals, can every year go out and see The Wizard of Oz on the big screen. And that'll be something they remember the way I remembered getting in front of the TV on, you know, Sunday night at eight o'clock. Mm. Um, that we've done every year. We will do that every year. It's just sort of a tradition. Wizard of Oz, no matter how many times you've seen it, if you think you've seen it enough, unless you've seen it on the big screen, you haven't fully seen it. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch that under the stars or as the last rays of the sun are going down behind our screen. Um, the kind of shows we run are a mix. It's a mix of very, very super classic movies, like the Superman weekend we have coming up with the four Christopher Reeve Superman movies. But then it's also things we partner with Exhumed Films out of Philadelphia and they bring in shows that are the real drive-in cult obscure stuff like in umberto lenzi weekend or there was a weekend where one night they ran spaghetti westerns and the other night they ran martial arts movies and they called it east meets west oh um, my we God. do zombie fest every year where it's three nights of triple features of 70s 80s zombie movies and people dress up and there are vendors and it's just amazing or the camp blood event which is a friday the 13th or camping horror themed where we have people dressed as camp counselors. This is another exhumed event. <laughs> and they show Friday the 13th or Madman or, you know, woodsy horror films. And they have camp games and contests and people camp out all weekend. And it's we have people dressed as Jason walking around. Usually it's James who does that. But a lot of times people just show up in costume like they, they, they bring the party to us <laughs> like our our customers do as much to enhance the vibe there as we do. Um, I'm trying to think of other memorable weekends that we've had. I mean, there have been so many over the years, so many movies I was just had always wanted to see in the big screen. And I had the opportunity to do that. Uh, Back to the Future trilogy, that did really, Amazing. really well. And wow. you see in the documentary, people just showed up in DeLoreans. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was not planned. We were literally filming and someone goes, oh, there's a DeLorean. And I just sprint across the entire um <laughs> drive in to get this delorean entering the park i mean it was amazing to see and like everyone crowded around it as if it was like you know the birth of jesus you know it was it was just like that's what this place is like if you love movies i guarantee you there's going to be a weekend that hits your exact taste and interest and i always say that every weekend is like a concert or a convention at the mahoney I mean, everybody there likes that thing, whatever that thing of the weekend's topic is. And you yeah. can turn to just about anybody and strike up a conversation about that, and they will meet or exceed your level of knowledge and passion oh. about that film series or that actor or whatever it is. It's such a great feeling when you're like, you know, I love this movie, and nobody who likes this movie could be a bad person. <laughs> 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 and you're just surrounded by people who love that same thing that you like. I remember I saw Back to the Future in a theater in a drive-in theater when I was a kid. So that's one of the reasons that this thing conjured up so much nostalgia for me. Um, and I think you just really captured what it feels like to go to a drive-in, whether you're a little kid or whether you're, you know, 45. Um, it doesn't make any difference. Can you, can you talk about some of the crazy offers that you've gotten lately, if you've gotten any crazy offers lately? Because I know that, like, Robert De Niro's Tribeca... Um, IFC, a lot of other really heavy hitters are talking about going into drive-ins this summer. Well, I, 
I, I can talk. Sure, I can talk. I, none of this is is solidified, but we've been approached by IFC Films, mm-hmm. uh, who are apparently big fans of our drive-in. One of the people who works there comes down a lot because you know New York is only two two and a half hours away. <laughs> so cool. um, we've been approached by uh, organizations that will run, uh, give us exclusive pre-recorded concerts that we can run from pretty large, big name acts. Wow. Um, we've heard from Major League Baseball, who is interested in doing a film screening with a recently recorded baseball game played on the big screen. Oh, my God. You can go out to sporting events, but you could go out to the drive-in and see baseball, you know, 100 feet across. Um, and then there's just various, you know, independent filmmakers are always interested in maybe getting their things screened with us. Um, we had lined up, we have lined up some very interesting guests, celebrities, if you will, um, filmmakers and actors coming out with the movies with the current situation. I don't know if we're still going to do that or not. It's sort of akin to a convention. Yeah. Can you have an actor come out and meet and greet people at this point? Probably not. So um, we're going to looking into ways of handling that so we can still have their presence felt on site, even though it might not be autographs and handshakes and and selfies and things like that. I do want to throw in that they did have Zach Galligan from Gremlins come out. Was that last year? (laughs) Uh, It was last year and the year before he came out for Gremlins and he was the night. I wasn't there that night, but everything I've heard is that he was the nicest guy and super happy to be there. Pennsylvania is such an important swing state this year, and Joe Biden is from Scranton, Pennsylvania. We've heard a little bit about there might be political rallies and drive-ins. Have you heard from the Biden campaign or the Trump campaign? You know, we have not. That's fascinating. I hadn't heard that. Um, Would the Mahoning Mahoning take a political stand, Mark? (laughs) Boy, I don't know. It's not for me to say. I just take the money and and, and smile at the corn dog. (laughs) The Wizard of Oz has no political. <laughs> no, it's totally political. Um, <laughs> wow. So it sounds like you have an amazing summer coming up. Whatever happens. We do. I mean, the, the films we have lined up. I think I was talking to Jeff. I think there are only a few weekends that we haven't booked yet between now and the last weekend in October. Traditionally, we're open the last weekend in April until the last weekend in October. Obviously, we're getting a later start this year. Um, but all the weekends that have been announced have the potential to be just either very, very popular, or at least they're going to make some people really, really happy. I mean, mm. every weekend is somebody's favorite movie. And mm. as long as I've been working there, I've talked to just about everybody who's come through and, and wanted to eat anything. And they've told me, this is my favorite movie. I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. I haven't seen this at a drive-in since I was a kid. This is my son, and they've never been to a drive-in before. Ugh. Somebody told me that, and the son was like 38 years old, which surprised me. But uh, <laughs> we we get a lot of multi- multiple generations coming. And uh, it's always interesting to me that for people our age and older, the drive-in is a nostalgic thing. But to kids who are going regularly, they're just going to the drive-in. They're just going to the movies. Yeah. Someday this will be their nostalgia thing. But right now it's it's fresh for them, even if the movies are 30 years old. Uh, let me ask you guys, because I think a lot of people will go to a drive-in for the first time. And when I went to the Wellfleet Theater in Massachusetts, which is a great theater, by the way, if anyone's anywhere near there... Um, one thing that was a little awkward is I had to ask the people next to me to turn off their engine. Like I, they didn't, they weren't trying to be rude or anything. They we, just didn't we know. Get that. Yeah. So can you talk about kind of driving at, um, I guess, etiquette that people might not know about like things that you can and can't do. Turn your lights off. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big thing. 
And with newer cars, that's harder to do. Um, well, a lot of the newer cars, yeah, like these emergency lights, you have to like put your car in park and put the emergency brake on and shut shut the car off. Like there's like a there's a trick to get some of those emergency lights off. There's a deleted scene on the DVD of the documentary where Matt is just jumping cars because <laughs> it happens every night. There's always like a handful of cars that just their battery dies because <laughs> they don't, you know, they turn the car off or they leave something, you know, they leave the lights on or something. So it, it, it there's always an issue like that. And, you know, these days, the, the days of the speakers on the poles with the wire, wires that run underground, sadly, are long gone. So the drive-in hmm. audio is broadcast in stereo through a radio station. So people need to have a radio with them. We always encourage people to bring portable radios or you use your car radio. Mm -hmm. And even now, a lot of cars don't have a radio that's separate from their overall system and they shut off after a short amount of time. So some people do wind up having to run their cars to be able to listen to the radio if they're sitting inside. And that is annoying if you're sitting outside next to a car or you're in the car next to that person. So we do have people who go around if we hear complaints or if we notice anybody has their lights on or their engine running or whatever and try to help them work it out. And over time, you know, we get smarter about various makes and models of cars by learning how to turn all these things <laughs> off for people. Uh, we just need somebody who works at a dealership. Um, so there's, you know, don't play some other radio while the movie's running. Obviously, uh, <laughs> people sometimes think because they're in their car, they can be as loud as they want, but if anybody's around you, they can hear you and they still kind of want to watch the movie. Um, some people sometimes will sit outside and sort of do the MST thing. And it's just like, go in your car and roll up the windows and do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> it's just it's out on our lot, especially the sound carries and bounces off the screen back at the audience. So you can be sitting in the back talking and it sounds like, you know, you're in the front row to somebody who's sitting there. Um, but the basic etiquette is, yeah, keep the lights off, um, respect your neighbors, do what, pretty much whatever you want in the comfort of your own car, as long as it doesn't, you know, extend out past that. <laughs> Dogs are allowed. That's one of the most common questions I answer. That was literally That's my next question. Totally <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to mess up your flow. No, I yeah, love, we it. love we love pets. I always tell people, if you want to bring a giraffe, as long as it's leashed and you clean up after it, please feel free. Those are really the only rules. As long as the dogs are well-behaved and cleaned up after, they can't go in the snack bar. But right now, people can't go in the snack bar either. But uh, yeah, people love to bring their pets and their kids and some combination of both. Wow. Mark, you said something that reminded me. My favorite thing, and, and I love this every night, and I couldn't really capture it for the documentary. But walking around during a movie, when it's dark, the movie's playing, and just hearing the collective echo of everyone's radio. That has been one of my favorite things about drive-ins since I was a little kid. It's, it's that, amazing. That overall ambiance of the sound of all of those radios playing the film. You can generally, unless there's only a few people there and it's cold and their windows are rolled up, you can generally walk anywhere on the lot and hear the movie at some level of volume. Um, sometimes people forget, forget to bring radios and they ask us if we have any to rent, which sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Mm. But I always tell them if it's before showtime, just wait. If you're sitting outside, chances are the person next to you has a boombox and you'll be fine. And it is true. You can stand anywhere under a, what we have very, very often beautiful crystal clear starry nights because we're far enough from the city to not have any light pollution. And it's just it's so peaceful and so amazing. And there's no place I'd rather be. There's one part in the documentary, I think you can hear it, and it's when Jeff is 
he's standing outside of the projection booth and he's watching the Wizard of Oz. And you can kind of hear, it's about five seconds of the Wizard of Oz, but you can kind of hear, I let the natural just audio play and you can kind of get five seconds of that like beautiful, it, it just, it's perfect. It's the perfect echo. And it sounds a little more magical mm. because it is slightly echoed. So look for that part in the documentary. It's Jeff during the opening weekend, kind of standing outside watching. It's, an, it's the scene when the Wicked Witch also appears. Ah. So yeah, it's a great scene. You know, for anyone who runs a theater or is even putting on a show, you also show in this film a solution to the problem of not having a digital projector, which is so brilliant and will say <laughs> might save so many theaters across the country so i just if for no other reason i mean everyone should see this no matter what but even if you're just watching this for your job wait until about an hour in <laughs> such a cool thing happens that is so clever yeah. it was kind of like the uh, my m night Shyamalan twist <laughs> moment in the film like i don't think even when i heard about this happening because as I'm shooting, I don't really have an ending in mind. Like I do very much ferrite with my documentaries, um, even the one I'm working on now. Yeah. And so I go into them with kind of just saying, All right, the story will present itself. And when I heard that this happened and this was happening, I knew that this would be sort of the crystallized part of the third act. Yeah. So, um yeah, and it, it you know they're still doing it today, and it's and it's expanded the drive-in. So, Al, can you talk about your new film, which is about marionette puppetry? It's like you're going back and reviving <laughs> every form of entertainment that we thought was over. Yeah, I'm going from a drive-in theater now to a marionette slash puppet theater, and uh, it's well, it I'll, I'll say this: the trailer is out now. The film won't be done until the end of the year. We've pretty much finished shooting, but it's about a guy who lives above his puppet theater in Lancaster City, and uh, you know he's in his sixties, uh, and he he builds the puppets. He performs every one of them. It's a complete one man show, and he lives with his mom above the theater. She's in her eighties, and she kind of introduces the puppet shows to the kids, and it's just a it's a really quirky, bizarre place, but it's awesome and uh if you like at the drive-in i can only assume you'll somewhat enjoy marionette land so thanks for the free plug there tim oh well people don't (laughs) think they're into puppets and then you see a puppet show and you're like this is amazing how did they do that (laughs) yeah and it's super like the whole reason i was sort of drawn to him and his theater is because he takes it so serious like every single thing is thought out and planned and he rehearses and he treats it as if he's preparing for, you know, the Super Bowl. Like it, there is just so much thought and preparation into it. And it's, it's awesome to see, but it's also fun and entertaining. Like he's hilarious. <laughs> so if you see the trailer, you can kind of get a sense for his personality, but it's a, uh, the documentary is really a sort of, I, you know, I went from this sort of ensemble godfather-esque piece (laughs) to now now this sort of like he's a you know it's a tour de force of this one uh this one puppet master so yeah um for diehard fans of this movie could the two of you kind of just go in where are they now for the people who we met i mean there's so many great characters in the film and i did find myself wondering about you know where they all are and how they're doing uh well mark uh, i think you would probably know better i mean we know verge virgil and jeff are still there doing their thing 
Yes. Um, Matt has moved on to greener pastures. <laughs> He's got a, um, he has like a, it's interesting. Speaking of drive-ins, he had started this business uh, a year or two ago and it's basically a mobile drive-in cinema. It's, you, he will go to your business or your event, set up a screen and, and run movies and just take care of all the AV for that. So wow. he has that. And he's a he's a filmmaker. He's he has made uh, shorts and a feature over time. I think he's hoping to get back into that again, too. So he's doing that. Jeff is still owner, head projectionist. Virgil is, uh, you know, co-owner and or he doesn't own the land, but he's a partner and the film booker, curator, head PR guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Jess is now snack bar manager. Nice. Uh, Corey has not been with us for a couple of years. His life just got busy and, and work sort of got in the way. But we've been talking off and on with him about maybe coming back and, and manning the grill once more, which would be great. Yeah. Uh, Robert is still Robert. He fills in <laughs> in the snack bar when need be. He does some online work for us and he's there most weekends. Um, I'm me. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, uh, running the cash register and, and doing some of our online work. Um, and my JT is, is, is everybody's still the same. They're, nobody has changed any names. Um, JT is excited about this season. He has some really cool plans for, for zombie fest and some of our other events, you know, he is hobbled a little bit by not having snack bar access, but he'll still do what he can to give that little extra something, even if it's just him in an incredibly accurate teenage mutant Ninja turtles <laughs> costume, <laughs> uh, kissing he hands and shaking babies. Yeah, you have to see his, like, not only was he Raphael in, like, a screen authentic suit from the original movie, it, he was Raphael in the trench coat and top hat when he goes to <laughs> the movies. So, just the incredible attention to detail. I mean, the Jason costumes in this movie, where people won't just go like, oh, yeah, I put on a hockey mask, I'm Jason. They're like, oh, no, I'm Jason in Friday the 13th Part 4. Right. And, yeah, it's amazing. Well. My favorite thing that James ever did, and it's in the documentary, is that Jason costume from part six, because it, he, he even had the sense to put the paintball shot on his chest Amazing. from the scene in the movie where they shoot him with paintballs. Like, just that level <laughs> of care is, is phenomenal. I should ask this. Will casual fans who just want to go to a movie feel welcome there, or will they be, like, intimidated by how much film knowledge there is and... You know, oh. <laughs> I, I think I think everyone who just enjoys going to a drive in will will find something charming about it. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've brought people there who aren't big movie fans. You know, my wife is certainly not, um, at least to my uh, fandom of movies and, and all that. And she had a great time, you know, so uh, I think anyone I, I think the opportunity.